Welcome to the Raise the Roof, uh, Remove the Walls podcast. Andy and Joe here with you. Hey, guys. And uh, this week, we decided to tackle a small subject. Just, just a quick <laughs> little run through. Shouldn't take much. We're just going to talk about sin. It's just just a little thing. Um, not not a broad subject at all. That's that's all of the discussion we had, by the way. So I'm just interested to see where in the world we're going to go with all this. <laughs> hey, let's talk about sin. That was the extent of our planning together. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. It was. So... So we'll see how this goes. I'll I'll uh, I'll let you jump in there first. Now I'll just I'll just follow along here. <laughs> well, okay. The the first thing I want to say is that in my love for the Church of Jesus Christ, we have so distorted to the world, and I think to ourselves, what sin is. When you go back to the beginning of sin, I mean, I think you got to go back to Genesis chapter three. That's where Sin begins in, in, in humans, the fall. So Adam and Eve's sin was not about morality. They did nothing morally wrong. It'd be kind of hard to do anything morally wrong at that point when there's only two people, to be honest with you, <laughs> but I guess you could. But their sin was that they rejected God's authority to be that sole ruling authority in their lives, and they said that they were and they disobeyed God. So to me, when you look at the very foundation of sin, it is rebelling against God's rule or God's authority in your life. Now, is that going to ultimately lead to immorality? Well, of course it will. I mean, I mean, it has. When you look at our, our world today and the immorality that we see uh, in every culture, not just the American culture, though we are pretty good at it, um, it, it, it's not just about morality. The bottom line is it is about our, our obedience or disobedience to God. And I think a lot of times the church, particularly now, because we're fearful, we're a fearful church of the culture. We think the culture is going to win. I hate to tell you, but I read the end of the book and we win and God wins. So I'm really not worried, but we've made sin anything that we think is morally wrong. And We've got people who look good on the outside and who look very um, nice, very moral, but yet they are eaten up with sin because their whole life is rebellion against God. I, I never forget understanding how people viewed sin. When I was teaching in high school students, I was in a class with high school students. We were talking about a particular sin. And I said, I asked the class, about 15 kids, what? makes that thing a sin. Why is it sinful? And one of my kids who always answered was always wrong, but he always answered. Um, he says, because it's gross. I said, okay, let's take that definition. Sin is things that's gross. So to me then, one of the worst sins in the world is canned spinach. Amen. Because I like fresh spinach. I like spinach souffles, but canned spinach is the grossest fruit product, I think that there is. And if if we're going to define sin simply as what is gross to us morally, then canned spinach is at the top of my list of moral sins. And the guy or the person who invented or came up with the idea of canning spinach, putting it in a can and all that, they're not going to be in heaven. I know that. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I think we have to get away from this concept that sin only means 
morality has been compromised or morality has been, you know, rejected. No, it's about the rejection of Jesus as the ruling authority in a person's life. Yeah, absolutely. We we have shifted what the standard is. Yeah. Uh, which which ironically is a result of the first sin. Like we we the first sin is that we made ourselves the standard. We made ourselves the deciders of what is right and what is yes. wrong. But we shifted yes. it. And that's just continued. Like this is this yes. our sin is our pride is us thinking we can decide things instead of God. You know, we we want to grade on a curve, basically, is what it gets down to is that these things are gross and these things are bad and we don't like these things and these are immoral. And so we're going to not count those. But all this stuff we do that, you know, it's it's OK or it doesn't hurt anybody or it's not, you know, sin yes. is so much more than just things that are bad or immoral, like you're saying, or even gross. Um, yes. A lot of times I think we also judge like on on what are the consequences, like what happens because I do this? I mean, like True. we talk about uh, for years and, and it still happens like premarital sex. The reason why we told people not to do this is because of all the bad stuff that could happen. You know, right. like, oh, you could get this disease and you could get pregnant. And like, here's here's this list of bad consequences. And so if we have some sin, quote unquote, sin, it doesn't really have any major consequences, you know, like. We start to excuse those things because we've changed the standard. We've changed how we judge it. We change how we look at it. And it makes it easier for us then. Um, and if we make yeah. it those immoral things, and that's what sin is, then, then we could become very uh, much like the Pharisees and start to judge this and, and tweak this and control this so that we stay above the line and uh, we don't we don't go do those things. And, and we justify things so that they get on the other side of the line. That's what you see. I think you've always seen yeah. that. It feels much more exaggerated these days just because of some of the things that some people who, who claim to believe in Jesus want to move across the line. Oh, no, this is okay. These things are okay. Well, no, according to what? Um, and it's all, if you really get down to it, it's according to how they feel. It's according to what they want. And, and again, that's us. We placed ourselves at the center instead of God. And he's the standard. He's yeah. what the measurement's supposed to be based on. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I get tickled in the church because homosexuality is the big one of the biggest boogaboos in the church. And I agree, biblically, it's sin because it goes against God's command and it goes against who he is. But we tolerate premarital sex in the yeah. in, in the in in the church. We tolerate people who live together without being married, without without a godly commitment to each other. And, and we make levels of sin. I mean, and that, I think that's particularly true in the area of sexual sin and that kind of thing. In the culture, we've got one group over here saying, oh, this is sin. And this other group saying no. And then this group goes, but what you're doing is sin. No, what you're doing is sin. And we're, we're, you're right. We're defining it from a human standard, not from God's standard. What I found interesting in Psalm 51 in verses 1 and 2, David's great prayer of repentance before God for his sin with Bathsheba and Uriah and all that. But he, he mentions three words. He talks about transgressions in verse one. And, and that means to step over a boundary line or violate a trust. And, and it can be very unintentional. You know, I just get too close to the edge and, you know, a little puff of wind pushes me over and I step over that boundary line. Or I don't mean to violate your trust, but I accidentally do or unintentionally do. Second, he uses the word iniquity. 
this is intentionally to distort what is good or to pervert something or twist something. It is intentional. You know when you're doing it. You know, it's the attitude. I know this is sin. I know this isn't what God wants, but it's what I want. And it's it's bringing pleasure or comfort or whatever to me. I'm going to do it. And then he uses the word sin, which hopefully if you've been in the church very long, you know, it simply means to miss the mark, to miss the goal. Now, the goal of God is perfection, and none of us are going to meet that. None of us ever have. Romans 3.23 says that, for we've all sinned and fall short of, of the glory of God. But the NLT says, for everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So we've all sinned, we've all transgressed, and we've all committed iniquity. But we tend to focus, I think, a lot of times and we define iniquity as sin. Oh, yeah, that's when you you know you've done wrong and you, you just want to do it. But transgressions and, and the idea of missing the mark or missing the goal, we kind of cut ourselves slack on that because, well, I'm not perfect. I'm human, so forth and so on. The interesting thing I found is transgressions and sin are taken care of temporarily by the old Testament animal sacrifices, because he talks about unintentional sin. When when I don't necessarily mean to do it, it happens. I realize it. I bring my bull or my goat or whatever, and, and it's covered. But there is no animal sacrifice in the Old Testament to deal with iniquity, willful sin. Now, in the New Testament, we got Jesus, and he deals with all of those, and he wipes them clean. But the the big thing is we have to admit it. And, and I remember your ordination. And I forgot who asked the question. I think it was Francis Wilson. He was at your ordination, right? Yeah. yeah. And Francis asked you the question. He's, I think he's the only one who asked you a question. But he said, do we sin because we are sinners? Or, or do we or, or are we sinners because we sin? And I, you said, no, no, we're, we, we sin because we're sinners. I don't think we believe that. I think we believe that we come into this world pretty good, and somehow along the way we get corrupted and we sin, and that makes us a sinner. No, no, no. Bible makes it very clean. We are sinful. That's why we sin. What does a what does a, a baseball player do? He plays baseball. What does the sinner do? He sins. And I think when we come to that point of understanding, not only if we all sinned, but we all come into this world with a bent towards sin, a desire to sin, and so we sin because that's kind of who we are until God changes us and transforms us. I, I think when we come to that point, we go, oh, wow, sin really is that bad because it goes against God, and it, it's really bad because the only solution to it is Jesus himself. Yeah, and I think it is important. We, we do tend to have this attitude as if like the world, as if it's this outside thing that does this to us. You know, yes. oh, well, say, you know, the devil made me do it, uh, so to speak. You know, like like we have that attitude yet. You know, uh, Jeremiah tells us the heart is deceitful above all else, that, that we're the problem. Um, in the gospel, in Mark 7, Jesus tells us it's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. Not what goes in. It's from inside. Right. And, and right. James, right. James, James says we are tempted by our own desires and desire right. when it conceives right. gives birth to sin. Like this comes from us. Yes. We're, the, we're the source. We're the problem. We're the issue. It's not this outside thing that corrupts us. We've corrupted the outside. We, we've, right. We're the ones that have polluted the world with sin. Um, and, and yes, at this point, it's it's everywhere. But it's it's also in us. We're where we're it started. We're patient yes. zero. Um, <laughs> True. You True. know, and it's 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 not, you know, when when you treat it like it's an outside thing, 
not to steal things from COVID here. Um, but you think we spiritually, we think we can do things like, oh, if we wear masks or if we, if I get this shot, like we think there's ways to keep that from us. We, we, yes. we segregate ourselves and we separate ourselves from certain things and we stay away from, from all this stuff. And if, if we go to the, you know, we go to this church and we go to the right stores and we watch the right movies and we send our kids to the right schools, then we can be separate from all that worldly sin stuff and it won't corrupt us. I, I love, this is especially right. just crazy to think about when you talk about kids as if like, Oh, I don't want to send my kid over to that school. They'll get, they'll, they'll just be surrounded by all this. And it's like, it's like, then their kid will become a sinner. Like, um, do you not remember what your kid was like when they were two years old? Okay. You do not have to teach children how to sin. All right. You don't No, I promise. So you don't have to teach anything, any creature, all this, they, they, they don't need any help figuring out how to sin, how to exert their own will, um, how to put themselves at the center. Babies do this before they can talk. Okay. Right. Um, Babies cry every time they want something. They do not care what you are doing. They, and, and they're allowed to. They're babies. They have no, you know, I'm not hating on babies. Um, but like, that's that's who we are. As soon as it is all about us, from the moment we are born, we are centered on ourselves. And that's the problem. That's what's at the heart of sin is that we put ourselves at the center. And a lot of the things that we see culturally and, and even those things we've talked about in the church that, that continue to push that line further and further from where it used to be, they're all just based on if I'm at the center, this is a natural progression. If it's all about me and how I feel, then slowly we're going to keep moving towards all these things because this is how people feel. And this is right. where it comes from. It comes from us. It's not right. It's not this outside influence. We're we're the right. so no, I liked your your patient zero. Yes. You know, Adam and Eve put the 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 stain of sin in our lives, and we've been making the choice to to follow that direction, all the rest of the generations that have come, you know. Um, so we painted a pretty bad picture, but then we come to Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, where he says, the wages of sin is death. There's one wage. Okay, there's no sliding scale or levels of sin. And again, I think that's something we do. Oh, yeah. You know, I remember... I remember doing a Bible study with a group of people on Wednesday night, and and I just made the statement: overeating is just a, is just as bad a sin as homosexuality. I thought I was going to get stoned. I really did. Um, and I had a guy come up to me, and he said, "I can't believe you said that. Homosexuality is an abomination to God." I said, "You're absolutely right. It is. So is overeating." And I said, and you don't struggle with homosexuality, but you struggle with overeating. And that's why you like to put it in a lesser category of sin. Sin is sin. So, but, but he says, for the wages of sin is death. In other words, a wage is something a person earns. So he's saying what we earn with our best efforts is death. But then, but, great theological term, but there. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, God gives us, through the grace of Jesus, eternal life that we don't deserve. And that's that's the only solution to sin, is Jesus' death on the cross. Not my baptism, not how many times I go to church, though we should be there. Uh, not how much I give, though we should give. No matter how many people I serve or help, though we should do that, that doesn't earn us salvation. Salvation only comes through Christ because the best we can do with our efforts is death. 
the best he does with his efforts is life. And to me, that's kind of a no-brainer which one I'm going to choose, death that I can earn or life that he's going to give me as, as, a, as a grace gift. Um, but again, I think if we don't believe that at the core of who we are, we are sinners who sin, then we're going to look for ways that we can undo this because, hey, you know, it's that outside force. If I just push myself away from that outside force. Uh, when I was pastoring another church south in southeast, uh, southwestern New Mexico, uh, there was a lady in the church whose son was a monk. That blew me away when she told me that. And he was in a monastery up in Seattle, Washington, which again, blew me away. And he would come visit about once a year for a week. He, he would be released from the monastery, you know. And and one of the, the first times I met him, I asked him, I said, Jose, okay. So we talked about why he became a monk and all this. And I said, so being in that atmosphere, you're cloistered away, you're, you're, the outside world is kind of shut out. And he says, yeah, we don't have telephones. We don't have internet. We don't have any of that. We don't have television. Anything. I said, then you're pretty freed from temptation. And he laughed. He goes, nope, because it's still here. It's still in my life. It's still in my head. It's still in my heart. And I'm like, wow, then why are you doing this? I mean, I'm thinking, okay, Jesus was tempted in every way that we've been tempted. Hebrews 4, 4, 4 15 but yet without sin. So I can either depend upon Jesus's death to bring forgiveness and depend upon his Holy Spirit filling me to give me the victory over temptation, or I can try to do it myself by, as you said, isolating or pushing those things away. You know, that doesn't work. Only Jesus works. And boy, when he told me that, it was like a light bulb went out and I'm going, okay, so it's not the atmosphere. It's not the culture I live in. And, you know, I've, I've, I've only been in two other cultures. I've been in Mexican culture and the Turkish culture. Those are the only two cultures I've been in, only two foreign countries I've been in. They're just as sinful as we are. Different in, in, in sort of, but very similar, but the same. It's sinful. You know, when, when we lived up in the Four Corners area and we worked with a lot of Native Americans, and I remember thinking Native Americans have to almost leave their culture in certain instances, to be able to follow Jesus because their culture is so uh, unchristian in that sense. Same thing is true of us. We have to leave our culture, not physically, but we have to leave it in, in the sense of, of that can't control my life. Jesus can't, but I don't do that. And we never encourage Navajos to move off the reservation once they became believers, stay there and make a difference in people's lives. Yeah, we... You know, First John uh, one uh, seven through nine. So you know, he, John, if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we'll have fellowship with one another. We have to we have to walk in the light. I love verse eight. Yeah. If we say we're without sin, we we deceive ourselves. We're lying to ourselves. But then verse nine, he goes, "It's okay because if we confess our sin, like we you have sin, you just need to you just need to admit that you have sin. And if you right. confess that sin, right. then God will forgive you. He'll take you. He'll purify you from those things. Like we have right. we have to be honest about it. We have to be open about it. We have to admit to God, yes." I have this. And honestly, before we admit to God, we have to learn to admit to ourselves. I think that's, that's the yes. person that needs to understand it. God knows. Yes. It's not like we're telling him something he doesn't know. We're telling ourselves something we don't know, that we don't want to know, right. that we don't right. want to come up to. Because um, again, like we've created this, this moral 
idea. Like, oh, these are the things that are immoral and more. And we've created these lines. And as long as I stay over on this side of the line, I'm doing okay. And like you said, th- this side of our line still leads to death. The best oh, yes. thing to do still leads to death. It's not going to get me any Absolutely. closer. And I have to learn to step out of that. And and like you said, get right. out of my culture, of my life, of, of everything in the world around you. We talked about the different ways of, you know, word for world um, several mm-hmm. weeks ago. Yes. You have to learn to step out of the world, whatever that world is. There is no, there is no culture on earth that's holy, that's perfect. That no. gets right. No. Like that, there, no. there's no, there's no country. There is no community. There, there's nothing we can do and put together. This is, oh, this is it. Like, yes, Israel was God's chosen people. And you know what? There were a bunch of sinners that had to constantly repent for stuff. That's why God had to give them the law and say, all right, here's how you can make up for this. And guess what? They still didn't do it. And he still sent yep. Jesus, which was always the plan, thankfully. Yep. Um, but we we have to get over this idea that we don't need saving. That, that right. we aren't sinners. Yes. You know, I, John, yes. very clear there. Like, if you think this, you're lying to yourself. And that's what's going to be hurt. So we yeah. have to get over that and, and learn to confess and go to Jesus yeah. with that stuff. Yeah. And, and in that first John passage, he even says, we make God a liar when we deny our sin, because God is saying, you are sinners, you're sinful. Yeah. And we go, no, 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 I'm really not. We're making God a liar. Okay. Now, it's one thing to make me a liar or you a liar, but I really don't want to make God a liar because number one, he never is. I mean, I, I remember telling somebody one time, if you disagree with God, you're always wrong. Okay. I mean, there's no, oh, well, he might get something wrong. No, he, he doesn't, you know. Um, but you know, I, I, your mother's one of your mother's favorite movies, which still kind of blows me away, is the village. <laughs> and you know, in the village, their whole purpose, we've got to get away from this outside world that's corrupting us. And what happens? The people who move to the village start corrupting each other. And and it it leads to this huge uh, murder that they were just blown away. This isn't supposed to be happening. We got away from all of that. You, You spiritually, you move out of the world, but physically we're still in the world. And our job is to be that proclaimers of here's the way to go to get so that sin, because you you mentioned James one one fifteen, when you know when sin is full grown, it leads to death every time. Now that doesn't mean physical death, because when Adam and Eve sinned, God said, "If you eat that fruit, you're going to die." Well, they didn't physically die immediately. In fact, Adam lived quite a while longer after that, but they died spiritually. So sin brings immediate spiritual death. But ultimately, it's going to bring other kinds of death, the death of relationships, the death of hope, the death of peace, the death of joy, and ultimately physical death. And if we go into physical death, separated from God because of spiritual death, because we've let sin bring it, then we go into an eternity without Jesus. You know, I I don't know what hell's going to be like, and I'm not going to find out. Um, But... We, we we put all this emphasis, oh, it's, you know, it's dark and there's it's burning and there's torture and all this. No, no, no. The worst part about hell is that we're separated from God and it, it doesn't get any better. There is no hope. Now, even in the midst of sin, we have hope because as long as we're breathing, we have the possibility and the hope of transformation. But when we're in eternity without Jesus, there we are eternally separated from him with no hope of ever coming close to him. 
the cool thing is that Jesus' death overcame sin, and he literally became your sin and my sin on that cross. I mean, 2 Corinthians 5.21 is huge to me. He who he made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. The Father made Jesus my sin so that I could then, when I realized that and, and repent of that and confess, as you said, sin, and come to Jesus, then I am the righteousness of God. Now, when I look in the mirror in the mornings, I don't see righteousness every, every day. In fact, I don't see righteousness a lot there. But I am righteous. That's who I am, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done and simply my acceptance of that. Yeah, and, and I think we get this wrong idea sometimes that God's just being mean and God's being picky by creating all this. That, that, that God creates sin because he doesn't like those things. And, and look, I you, you talked about canned spinach. There is something worse that comes in a can. Only one thing, tuna fish, okay? Canned tuna fish. Especially if you put pickles in it, it's the worst substance on planet Earth. Okay, it is. I can't be in the same room. I'm like a pregnant lady. Okay, I'm like, no, get That's away! I'm gonna throw up. All right. My wife and my daughter still like tuna fish. They're still on board. And when they make some, I literally have to go in the other room because I'm gonna gag. It's it's just I cannot do it. We think that's how God is about sin. Like this is some sort of preference, and this is, it's not. He literally cannot be in the same place as it. Like, like, it's like oil and water. They do not mix. Light and dark cannot exist in the same place. He cannot right. be there. And our sin causes him to have to be separate from us. He does not want yes. to be separate from us. Right. He made right. us Absolutely. in his image, in his likeness, and he loves us, and he wants to be with us. And we have done something to say, nope, you can't be here. You know, I mean, Isaiah 59, 2 says that mm -hmm. your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your right. sins have hid right. his face from you so that he will not hear. This isn't God going, oh, you did this thing, and I didn't like it, so I'm not going to talk to you. This is literally like we've pushed ourselves away, so we cannot have that communion with God. We cannot right. have that relationship. Right. It's not. He's not just being mean. He's not being picky. He literally cannot be around it. It's not. They they can't mix. It's just not possible. Like you can't. Right. You can't be in the dark and in the light at the same time. It's right. physically impossible. They cannot exist. Yeah. Um, no offense to black and white cookies. Yeah. That doesn't count. Like I know there's dark and light on both sides of us and not the same thing. Um, but we have this idea that God just made up these rules kind of arbitrarily and just decided stuff. And he's like, no, these are the things that are going to keep you from being able to be with me because those yeah. things can't come near me. You know, my, right. my nephew has a peanut allergy, right? And so we have to remember to be careful because we cannot bring peanuts around him. It will literally kill him. Right now. God doesn't, it's sort of like God's allergic to sin, except it doesn't affect God. Like, you can't kill God with your sin or anything like that. It's not like there's an EpiPen waiting. Oh, don't worry, God, I got you covered. Like, But, like, physically being around it, it's just not possible. Like, my nephew cannot be around peanuts. He can't do it. His 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 throat will start closing up. Bad things will happen. He cannot be around it. It's just not, it's not a preference. It is a physical truth that he cannot have peanuts. Um, God cannot be around sin. It is just the truth. They cannot be mixed. They cannot be together. And yet we just well, kind of got this mean, picky kid that's like, no, I don't want yeah. to be about that. Well, we project our, I won't get our personality, but we kind of project humanness upon God. Yeah. You know, I don't like this, so it must be wrong. You know, you, you <laughs> hate tuna fish, so it's wrong. I hate canned spinach, it's wrong. But no, sin goes against the character of God. I mean, and, and, 
it's not that he he hates sin, but he's a good God who created us to have a relationship with him, and he knows what sin does, and that's what he hates, what sin does to us. So it violates his character. It harms his human creation, and yeah, he, he, he cannot literally be in the presence of sin. We see that on the cross. Yeah. I mean, for three hours, it was dark. I don't think it was because, you know, I, part of that was I don't think God wanted to, the humans to see the suffering of Jesus. I mean, the ultimate suffering. They saw the physical suffering, but in those three hours, it was more of a spiritual suffering. But I think it was a, it was a picture because he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I cannot be there. And for the first time in eternity, God the Father and God the Son were not united because of sin. If it does that to God the Father and God the Son, what's it going to do between God and, and us as his human creation? Yeah, you're right. It's going to create a barrier. And we can't crash through the barrier. We can't knock the barrier down. We can't undo the barrier. Only Jesus, his death and resurrection, can do that. And I think another important aspect is to know that God is good. Like you said, he doesn't sit up there and make these arbitrary rules because they make him feel good. These are the rules that are the best for us, you know? I mean, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, here's why you don't have sex outside of marriage. Not because God's trying to kill your fun, but because here's what happens. You get attached to that person. There's a, there is a spiritual connection now, and when it's broken, it's going to harm and hurt you, and all sorts of things are going to result from that. And yet we keep thinking, well, it's my life. I can do what I want to with it. And actually, it's not. You were created by God, so you actually belong to him. Whether, you, whether you're a believer or not, you're God's creation. You belong to him. When I was in the eighth grade, we had to take all the boys had to take shop. The girls had to take home ec. That, <laughs> that was, was sexist you were getting some time. big trouble for that in 2023. Oh, I know, I know. Which <laughs> would not be a bad thing because there were girls who probably would have been good at shop, and I would have been much better at home ec than I was at shop. <laughs> but I, one of the things we had to make was this little doggy doorstop, and it was a simple thing. You traced it. You traced this little image of a dog on, on a piece of wood and you had the little saw and you cut it out and then you had a wedge that you put in there and you painted it like you wanted to. Took me three tries to get the, the, the it, it um, traced right. Took me three more tries to get it cut out right. It was an ugly piece of whatever it was, okay? But I was so proud of it because it was mine. I made this. First thing I'd ever made in my life. I think that's how God views us. We are his creation. He loves us. And to see sin separate us from him and harm us. I mean, John 10, 10 says Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. How does he do that? With sin. And when, when, when we allow sin to separate us from God, it breaks God's heart. I mean, he did the ultimate, died on the cross so that that wouldn't happen. So, yeah, it's not arbitrary. It violates who, G, who God is. And it does that thing that separates his human creation, whom he loves above everything else, from him for potentially eternity. Yeah, I think as much as we rail against it and, and it, sin breaks, like you've said it several times, like sin breaks God's heart. Like this isn't, yes. he's not, he's, he hates sin. Because right. of what it does between us, right. his relationship. Right. Like, I want to be with my child. That, that's the whole story. Like, he's with Adam and Eve in the garden. Like, this is the relationship he wanted. I made this perfect place. I made 
Admin Eve in my image. Here they are. And we walk around in the evenings and check out how cool everything is. And this is what I want. This is how I want it to be. And then we break it. And, and you spend the entire Old Testament of God showing them ways for him to be among his people. He yes. He uses Abraham. He gives them the tabernacle to Moses. He gives, you know, the temple with David and Solomon. Like, I want to be here with you. And I want to right. show people that this is what I want. I want you to know me. And I want to know you. I want right. this relationship. So he sends Jesus. And then he gives us his spirit. Like, this is the story. This is what he's after the whole time. And sin is what messes that up. Sin yeah. is what breaks that. And, and that's our doing. That's from our side. God is continuing to be faithful to his side of this thing and wanting to be with us and doing everything he can, literally everything, to get rid of this barrier from us. And yet we still look and go, well, you're just trying to kill my fun. You just won't let me do anything. It's just not and, that is. And as the church, we need to go back to what we talked about last week, John 3, 16 and 17. He sent Jesus into the world to bring eternal life. And our job is not to judge the world. You know, yeah. our job is to share the life-giving message of the gospel of grace. Um, people know. People know, know, you know, I, I never had to be told when I was fixing to get in trouble when I was a kid, I knew because I'd done something wrong. I, I knew if they find out I'm going to be in trouble, you know? So I spent most of my childhood trying to help them not know what I did. Uh, never worked uh, with my dad. It did with my mom it never worked. But I mean, I knew, I knew when I'd done something wrong, I knew at school when I'd done something wrong, you know? So I didn't have to be told that was wrong. I needed to be told how I cannot let that characterize my life. And that's the message of the church, the gospel of grace, that God's gift is here to give you eternal life through Jesus. And that's what we have to share. That's now, do we need to do we need to talk about sin? Yes. You know, I I I read something by, and I won't name who it is, but they were asking him, Well, do you ever talk about sin? No, because it makes people feel uncomfortable. It should make us feel uncomfortable. <laughs> sin should make us feel uncomfortable. And then that uncomfortableness with sin should draw us to how do I deal with this? And it's Jesus. Yeah. And and I think that the message of the church has to be, yes, we're sinners, but hey, God knew that. It didn't come as a when Adam and Eve sinned, God didn't go, oh wow, I didn't see that one coming. No, he had already established what he, what he knew they were going to sin. He already established the coming of the Messiah, the deliverer. And so when we experience sin, that should drive us. That should be the red flag that goes off and goes, Man, that was sin. Okay, I gotta take it before God. And then it gets dealt with. I mean, that's as you said, first John 1 9. If we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to do what? Forgive us, yes, but also cleanse us so that sin then doesn't reside in our lives. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the, I, I love Matthew 5 when Jesus, Jesus talks about sin with us a little bit too. And, and, and it's trying to get people to, to realize, because we, we get so focused on the external of sin. Like you did this thing and it comes back to that morality thing. And Jesus, Matthew 5 is coming out and going, Oh, you, you think murder's a sin. You've heard that's bad. Well, I'm going to tell you the, the thing that's really bad is hating someone. You, you, you've heard that adultery is a sin. I'm going to tell you that lust is really the thing that's hurting because he's trying to get us to realize it's on the inside. It's the inside stuff, and you need me to clean that up. You cannot go in and take care of that. Um, I have to come and do that. You know, and we're, We spend a lot of time dealing with the external effects of sin. 
in our lives yes. and, and, and trying to deal with the external sin of the people around us too, especially. Um, oh, if I can get you to stop doing that, then it'll be cleaner out here and I won't have to deal with that. Um, that doesn't work. Um, I, I, I heard this example years and years ago. I use it all that. But if you have an overflowing toilet, you have to go turn off the water. You have to cut off the source. And we, with sin, spend all our time mopping up the floor. We're just mopping up the floor. And the toilet's still overflowing. It just keeps coming. And you know what? If all we ever do is mop up the floor and try and deal with those external circumstances, we're never going to stop. Because the, the flow right. is never going to stop until someone right. the stupid water. And we can't do that. Mm. We have to go to Jesus. Yeah. Hey, can yeah. you turn this off? Like, can you help? Yeah. Can, you, can you do this? Yeah. In my life? Can you change me? Can you fix this? This thing that's broken inside of me that's causing this to happen? Because I can't keep just trying to keep it clean in here. Um, but that, unfortunately, that's usually our goal. Even as the church, I've heard that off. I, I lost track, and you can probably back me up, how many times I had a parent of a teenager come to me. And sometimes, literally, and plenty of other times, basically say, how are you going to clean up my kid? How are you going to get my kid to behave? Yep. And I would tell them all the time, and some of them it would make them very mad. I'm not here to make your kid behave. That's not my goal. That's not my job. I'm not, yep. I don't care. I told one of them, I don't care if your kid behaves. And they just looked at me. I'm like, I don't lose sleep over if your kid behaves or not. I lose sleep over if they know Jesus or not. And then it's yep. Jesus who's going to change them and Jesus who's going to do yep. that stuff. Yes. I don't care about their behavior. I'm not, I'm not just here for behavior modification. That's not what the gospel's about. No, it doesn't die. If we're just here for behavior modification, that's no. not worth dying for no. changing people's hearts, changing their minds, renewing those minds, yeah. changing who they are from the inside yeah. out. That's worth dying for. Yeah. And that's, that's, yeah. Where it's not, it's, with it. yeah, it's not a renovation of a house. It's yeah. a building of a new house. Yes. And yeah, that's and and sin. Sin will convince us. Oh, I've got some things wrong, but I can handle those. Or I can go to church and get baptized, or say a prayer and take care of that. And you're right. We're mopping up the water when the water is still flowing over the toilet, and it's pretty dirty water that's coming out too. <laughs> and that's you know, you made reference to what was it, Ma Matthew seven there, twenty through twenty three, where it's the ugly things that come out of us yeah. that defile us, not the things that hit us. Good point. Well, that's, uh, that was sin. That's uh, I, that. Some of you were like, you guys scripted this. You guys talked about it. No, we literally said, Hey, let's talk about sin. And this is what you get when we get together yep. and talk about sin. Um, yep. it helps when you're basing everything on the same book. It makes it a lot easier. Um, <laughs> so, that was sin. Uh, we'll be back with you guys next week uh, talking about a parable. So not sure which one yet, but uh, we'll see you guys again next week. Bye, guys.